Um, so my book is um, it's called the, St the Fortune of the Seventh Stone, and there's a clue in the title. It's a kind of quest book, and uh, I will read you two passages uh, from it. Again, starting somewhere in the middle. <laughs> they have to be patient. On Wednesday afternoon, they take the bus to Thornbridge. He knows the road reasonably well from car journeys with his mum, first across the river, then lots of sharp bends. Sitting high up in the bus, it feels like a different journey. Or maybe it's just that he's not so sure anymore why he's going. From the bus station, they walk straight into town, past the imposing town hall and the covered market into the high street. Isabella knows where she's going. Fourth Street is at the top. Fourth Street at the top is one of the older streets. It has cobbles, not very suitable for cars, and looks deserted, a kind of dead-end street. There are some small shops, most of them old-fashioned. The second-hand bookshop is the second on the left. It has a display of interesting books in a bay window. He starts scanning both sides of the street for a sign of the offices of Clark and Liddell. Isabella does the same. No result. They walk the length of the street, as short as it is. Let's ask in the bookshop, says Isabella. The bookshop is much bigger than it looks from the outside. Rows of shelves full of books fill the walls from floor to ceiling leaving only narrow pathways to navigate your way through. There seems to be an endless number of small rooms, all of them bursting with books. In the middle of this labyrinth, they find the shop owner behind the counter. He looks up from the volume on the desk. How can I help you? We haven't really come to buy books, says Isabella. We are looking for an office address in this street, Clark and Liddell. You've come to the right place. This shop used to be the offices of Clark and Liddell before I took over the premises, but that is more than 20 years ago. There it is, his hope crushed straight away. However, Mr. Liddell still has a room upstairs. Do you have an appointment to see him? They both shake their heads. Well, in that case, I suggest you go upstairs and knock on his door to find out whether he has time to see you. The staircase is there at the back, just behind the poetry shelves. Stephen looks at Isabella. Have they struck lucky? At the top of the stairs, there's a landing with several doors. The last one on the right has a nameplate on it, Mr. Liddell. Solicitor. Stephen knocks on the door. No reply. He carefully opens the door and looks in. He sees an enormous desk and a small man with glasses and a thin grey beard. The man at the desk almost disappears in the pile of piles of papers in front of him and hasn't noticed him. Mr. Liddell? Now the man looks up. Hello, he says. And who are you? Stephen, he says. My name is Stephen Honest. 
They both step into the room, but not much further than the door. I see you've brought a friend. This is Isabella. And what can I do for you two? It's not every day that I receive young people such as you here in my office. He talks with a slow, breathy voice. Is this the office of Clark and Liddell? Isabella asks. Yes and no. Our offices used to be downstairs. Mr. Clark is no longer with us. He died a long time ago, so now it's only me, I'm afraid. I don't take any new cases, but I assume that's not what you've come for. We've come to ask for help. I found this. Stephen takes the silver cylinder from his pocket and steps closer to the desk to show the man the cylinder in his open hand. There is a key inside. It's wrapped in old newspaper with your name printed on it. I mean, with the name Clark and Little. That's why we've come here. He takes the cylinder apart, unwraps the silver key, and put everything on the solicitor's desk. The old man's hands reach for the silver key. He brings it up to his face. Extraordinary, he says. Then he smiles. Isabella looks at him. She also doesn't seem to know what to think or what to expect. Did you say your name was Honest, the man says. I hope you will be true to your name. The man stares at Stephen intensely. It is as if he's searching him, as if he's trying to read his mind. Then suddenly he says, you see those shelves there in the corner? He nods in the direction of the far end of the room. That small wooden box on the top shelf, get that down for me if you please. Climb on the chair if you can't reach it. Stephen moves a chair in front of the shelves which are filled with files and documents. He takes the box that the solicitor pointed at. It is slim and it doesn't weigh much at all. It's made from dark wood smooth and rounded at the corners. It's a plain box that could easily be overlooked, but he knows instantly that it's one of the most important things he has ever touched. He hands the box to the solicitor. This wooden box, says Mr. Little, has been in the care of this business for more than a century. I apologize that it's not in a safe as it should have been, our safe was too heavy to be moved up the stairs. Nevertheless, we have looked after it. Five generations of Clark and Liddell have run this business before me. A certain Mr. Carpenter left this box with my great-great-grandfather. It was given with strict instructions that it should be kept in the care of Clark and Liddell solicitor, solicitors until a claimant would present the key to open it. And as it passed through the generations in our firm, those instructions were relayed and adhered to. The solicitor pauses and looks at him for a long time. Then he holds up the silver object and says, I believe that this is the key to open it. He pushes the key into a small circular opening at the front of the wooden box and turns it. 
they hear a soft click. The lid pops open. <laughs> is, that, is that time for a second bit? Yep. <laughs> so this is a little, as I said, the clue is more or less in the story, the seventh stone. So there are a few stones to uh, be passed through. Um, this is a little bit further on when they've, um, um, they're up at the fourth stone and they've met um, a, a rock star, as it turns out to be. Um, at four o'clock, they're all back at Albaston Manor, sandy as well. No need to climb over the wall this time. Joey pushes the bell button and waits to speak into the microphone grid, but he doesn't have to. Without a word, the enormous electric gates that seal off the estate separate, slowly and soundlessly. They take their bikes and Sandy's mo motorbike into the drive. Jimmy, in his wheelchair, waits for them on the paved area outside the main doors. It's good of you to come. His eyes take in Sandy. And you've brought reinforcements? This is Sandy, my cousin, says Isabella. She's part of the team. Perfect. Team spirit is what is required. Come inside, I've ordered tea. Jimmy turns the handle of the enormous manor house door and moves his wheel wheelchair through. They follow him in. On the inside, Albaston Manor is even more impressive than from the outside. The entrance hall is spacious with high decorated ceilings like in Oakendale Castle. There is an enormous staircase in the middle of the entrance hall. The hall has marble floors with antique tables and bookcases around the walls. Not much use to me, Jimmy mutters, pointing at the staircase, but the floors here are great when you're on wheels. He takes them to a lounge on the right-hand side. This room is also full of antiques and has big paintings on the walls. They sit down on delicate-looking sofas with faded furnishings. He notices the gardens through the windows. This room has a direct view of the pond and the statues around it. Well, here we are, says Jimmy, when they all sit down. I do hope you all like herbal tea. It's the only thing, I'm the only thing I drink when I'm here. A girl in a light green uniform comes in with a tray of cups and a teapot. Are you staying here for a holiday? Sandy asks. Ha! Jimmy laughs. I'm not so sure about that. Your friends haven't been gossiping about me then. No, I'm here to be sorted out. I need a little help with my drinking problem. I was told you're a musician, says Sandy. I was a musician, Jimmy says, and a good one too. Then I started drinking. Now I'm here. Joey's face suddenly turns bright pink. Were you a singer in a band, he asks. He falls over his words. All Joey's usual coolness is gone. Yep, says Jimmy, front man, me. You may have heard of our band, we were pretty good. But then I had the accident and it was all over. Nobody wants to scream at a rocker in a wheelchair on stage. Isabella is a singer too, Stephen says. She blushes, as he she blushes as he says it. 
What's happened? Sandy asks. It was shameful, Jimmy says. Stupid and shameful. I walked away drunk from a gig, walked onto the road without looking, and was scooped up straight away by a lorry. Not his fault. I was left in pieces on the road. I should be glad that, I'm, that they managed to fix me back to this degree. No more singing with the band now, but I have taken up the trumpet. That's good for your lungs when you're sitting down all day. I'm sorry, Sandy says. Not your fault, sweetheart, my own stupidity. Unfortunately, you can't turn back the clock. Anyway, we're not really here to talk about me. I want to talk about this treasure hunt. But Joey is still staring at Jimmy and his face is even more red now. What's wrong with him? Suddenly he more or less starts to shout. You're Jim Jimmy Black, you're from Black Rock 4. They look at Joey, then at Jimmy. Their, mouth drop, their mouths drop open. They all know Black Rock 4, one of the most famous rock bands in the country, in the world perhaps. Yes, says Jimmy, that's me. He's completely calm. That's me, although my, my real name is James Grant, and these days I play the trumpet. Jimmy looks around, but they're all too stunned to speak. Are they really sitting here drinking herbal tea with a world-famous rock star? Joey keeps staring. He just can't seem to take his eyes off Jimmy. Anyway, let's talk about this fortune, Jimmy continues. His voice is softer now. Let's talk about the events of last Sunday afternoon. I don't suppose you have found a way to get the secret message back from your classmates. <laughs> Thank you.